0: hello college football fans welcome to episode 97 of college football throwdown i'm your host alex schmitz and today i'm joined by two co-hosts as always my dad peter schmitz
1: hello husker fans and college football fans
0: and our special guest who happens to be at this campsite in arizona with us uncle aj Hello, everyone,
2: <laughs>
0: or brother AJ, if you're coming from Dad's perspective. <laughs> so yes, we're all together here uh, on a Sunday talking about the Nebraska Cornhuskers as well as what happened in the wider world of college football. This is a college football podcast by college football fans for college football fans. And uh, before we dive into the Iowa game that Nebraska played this weekend. I believe we all have some beverages to uh, crack open here. We do. Uh, mine is a, a Shock Top Belgian White, one of my favorites, personally.
1: And where is that made? No idea. No idea.
0: <laughs> I don't look into that stuff like you do. You're a loser. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, I think that's either an Arizona beer or a California beer. I'm not sure which, but, but it's from out here in the West. And, uh, uh,
0: actually, it says, well, it's brewed in Missouri. Oh, St. Really? Louis. Oh.
1: So okay. it's, a, it's probably a Budweiser It's probably a Budweiser product, product then. Yeah, Interesting. maybe. Interesting. But, um, all right. Very good. What do you have? I have a Pacifico. Uh, this is a uh, Mexican beer that was a favorite of your uncle, um, um, Joe, who uh, who's passed away and is the brother of, obviously... Uh, AJ and I, and uh, so we both have fond memories of talking Husker football and drinking Pacificos before. Say, I remember, I have a particular memory of uh, of doing that before uh, a bowl game uh, in San Diego many moons ago, uh, and us uh, pounding a few cervases uh, before the game.
0: So that's what this is about, right? All right. And what do you got there, AJ? I got a Michelob Ultra. I'm a lightweight. <laughs> Here we Let's go. go. All righty.
1: Mm-hmm. Now Man, the it's about time. To podcast.
0: Yeah, in stereo. I like it. All righty then. Oh shoot! I didn't end up bringing my. Uh, I didn't bring my predictions with me from last oh, time. That's okay. We usually do our predictions, but yes, as a recall, you. Yeah, I think you predicted that we would lose like forty-two, 42 to twenty-one. That's correct. Yeah, uh, more lopsided thing, and I predicted something closer to the actual score. Um, I think it was like 21-28. I predicted we'd lose by one touchdown. Uh, and the final score ended up being 20-26. Uh, so I was a little closer in terms of the score discrepancy. But um, we were
1: both picking a Nebraska victory. No, no, no we, we were a well, oh, Excuse me, a Nebraska loss. Yes, yeah. that's exactly, yes. exactly right.
0: Yes, and that's how it turned out. Uh, however, thankfully, it wasn't the blowout potential that you had uh, mentioned that we could experience on the last podcast. In fact, it was one of those situations where, frankly, uh, we were in control of the game at a certain point, you know, and could have won it. Um, when you look at the stats, we actually had a little bit more total offense, three thirty-eight to three twenty-two. Yes. Um in general the stats are pretty even across the board. Um yes. with the exception of time of possession, which they were way better at thirty-four minutes to our twenty-five minutes. Um and then, of course, the crucial turnovers, you know, that uh, and had an effect on the, the game. That's
1: yes. the huge stat. That's is, the huge stat is is those darn turnovers that killed us.
0: Right. Well, and for those who watched the game, you may remember that Nebraska was down like 10 to nothing early. And then we clawed our way back to get it to 13-13 at halftime, um, which given that we hadn't played that well, but it started to get things together in the second quarter, you know, we brought Adrian Martinez in as the quarterback Um, so things seem to be starting to click there Uh, and then we're in a position to uh, fight back to uh, tie them up later on in the game and then our guy or actually we would have gotten the lead lead. we would have gotten a lead if we'd gotten a touchdown and then our guy dropped the punt right after we had three and out at him and uh, gave him they didn't end up scoring off of that they got a field goal I believe but it was um it was a, a definite turning point in the momentum of the game right there and off of a stupid, very preventable
1: mistake. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing is that uh, actually the last three games against Iowa, all Iowa victories, have been games that effectively um, we had reasonable opportunities to win. They ended up being very close. In fact, I think three years ago it might have even gone into overtime, or if it wasn't, it was another one of these last-minute you know, win it at the, uh, on a field goal at the end of the game type of deal. Um, and I know last year was that. They, they kicked a the field goal with three seconds to go. And then this year, frankly, until pretty darn late in the game, we had every opportunity to win that football game.
0: Right. Well, and even up to the very end, um, you know, you may remember that they went down and kicked a field goal and missed, Correct. which meant they were up only six points, not nine. Correct. And there was like two minutes left on the clock which meant that, you know, it was still a long shot, but we had a chance to get a drive going. If we could score a touchdown, we win the game by one point there. Correct. Uh, but then, uh, and we, we got a couple plays going, and then Adrian gets sacked, and the ball comes out, and yep. it's game over.
1: Game over. Yeah.
2: Something something on the stats that I've, I'm looking at and noticing is that they had 12 more plays than we did,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that is, I think, part of uh, what hurt them is there was too many short series by the the offense, either three and outs
1: or... Interception. Or, or
2: whatever it might over. be. It yeah. was whatever it sh- it stunted the, the offense. To, for them to still out um, yardage them, even though they had 12 more plays, is pretty good. The other thing that stands out to me in the stats, which I, I cannot believe it, but it's there... The quarterbacks went 21 for 25. That's crazy. Yep. From yep. those two
0: guys? Yeah. Holy cow, they did great. Well, all right. Well, yeah, at one point, uh, Adrian just had one missed pass. Yeah, and, and he that was, was 10, 10 for and 11. That was a yeah. pass that you, yeah. you actually yeah, threw AJ, it away. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You made the so comment
1: that, you know, that pass was a conscious throw it out of bounds because yeah. the Instead guy got to get sacked or yeah. right which, yeah. was a good, yeah. which was a good which was a very good, good incompletion yeah that was yep. a good
0: incompletion and their uh their guy was 18 of 30 with one interception we had no interceptions on the day um you know and in general um we definitely saw you know some uh, improvement from Adrian you know there was that uh Pass that, um, Allen caught oh, that, that. That was spectacular. That catch was by Allen in <laughs> a third and twenty something situation, mm-hmm. and he barely got his feet in bounds. Like really used his height to a great advantage there. Yes, that was a that was a great
1: play. And, and that is actually an example of that wasn't a great throw by Martinez, although he was scrambling, and you know it was it ultimately was a great play. But I give a ton of credit to Allen, and he is really emerging as a guy that actually can get the job done. Now, what, how he's uh, grading out as a blocker, I really can't give you that piece of information, but as a receiver, he has become a go-to guy for us.
0: Yep. Yeah. One, what we won't spend too much time on this, but what happened to him where he kind of got picked up by the Iowa guys and then dropped on his head, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure um, if there's been any injury report on him after that, but um, it seemed odd that, you know, we've had all these discussions about targeting and, you know, what what players need to be doing, and yet there's no sort of flag for something like that that right. seems right. way more blatant.
1: Right. So. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is that I, uh, well, I, I don't know if those discussions will will happen in the off season about, you know, the targeting rule and how it relates to other events that happen in a football game, but... But I sure hope there is some conversation along those lines. Yeah. And one other point of
0: improvement I want to note that I have seen, you know, over the course of the season compared to the beginning where we were very penalty prone and we had those very uh, damaging targeting calls. There was one particular hit in this game where it looked like in the moment, oh, maybe it is, but you could very clearly see in the replay our dude led with his shoulder, you know, clearly avoiding that sort of situation from happening. And in total, we only had four penalties over the course of the game, one of which was particularly significant, though a holding call yes. on a run, nice like twenty yard run that Adrian had that uh, would have gotten us going nicely on that drive, and instead pushed us back, and we had to punt it. Right. Um, but you know, so in general, I've you know, talking about that, yeah. The te- but the team is you know cleaned some of that stuff up, um, and although you know there are areas where I'm frustrated with the defense. Once again, I feel like this is a game where you know the defense did reasonably well, you know, holding Iowa to a lot of field goals, and the offense just kind of let them down, and, and the special teams as well. Um, really odd on kickoffs as well. Even when we were kicking with the win, we weren't kicking into the end zone
1: this game. Right, and I and I don't know what the strategy was on that. Um, I, I I don't like it. It was clearly a strategy. It was a conscious choice. It wasn't that the kicker was flubbing up his kicks or something. Um, but it was clearly a strategy and I, I don't know what that strategy is. So uh, I, I would love for one of the you know media people to ask that question of Coach Frost or, or one of the coaches to get right. that figured out.
0: Well did Iowa was
1: Iowa known for having a really good returner? They what, have, they beat they us did last year with, one. with a punt with a kickoff mm, return. Yeah. Yeah. He was good, but I, I don't think he was so good that you implement what they did because we gave up we basically gave them to the 30 to 35 every time they started every drive after a kickoff on the 30 to 35 every yep. time yep um yeah. and uh, and they still had one at least one good punt return where their the, you know the, the setup was gorgeous uh it was a kickoff return i apologize yeah, uh where we did kick that. it off and and uh, kicked it deeper uh, but not into the end zone and, you know, he got it at, like, 10-yard line, and they had great blocking, and away they go. So, I don't know. I, I, I just—I don't understand why we continue to struggle so much with special teams.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I If, if that really was the strategy, then I don't fully understand that point of view either. Um, but, in general, you know, like we said— uh, Everybody was predicting that uh, was going to win, even up to, you know, like 16 points, I think was the spread or something like that. Um, so the fact that we played them close, you know, shows that uh, this team still has some fight left in them. You know, we, we still have the talent. You know, we could see that. Uh, Wandale Robinson had some great runs in the game. And great it, catches. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, what's his name? Bell? Uh, Betts. Uh, Betts got in there a couple times. Yeah. You know, we saw some of our younger guys, you know, yep. uh, doing some stuff. Um
1: Monte Brown had a good catch, a good run. Right.
0: Um, um, but yeah, you know, we just made enough dumb mistakes to uh to cost us the game yet again, you know, which gets back to uh what we our, our general thesis has been is like it's we think it would be better to simplify our offense, simplify our defense and just focus on executing uh the basics because that's what Iowa was doing, you know. They weren't doing anything too complicated. And frankly, they had some dropped passes by their receivers that uh, could have gotten them plenty more yards. Um, And it just seems odd that, you know, we've got this uh, awesome, hyped-up spread offense of Scott Frost, and yet, you know, we can't execute, you know, a simple run-it-down-the-middle because our offensive line, you know, doesn't know how to block guys.
1: Right. Right. Yep. Well, and and again, it's, it's... we talked a little bit about about this uh after the game alex and that has to do with just this whole issue of you've got to find a way to win at the end of the day it's about w's okay and and it's so frustrating because even though i predicted that we would lose this game so i shouldn't be surprised or disappointed that we lost however after watching the game unfold we had every opportunity to win that game and had we won it then that potentially puts us on a a completely different trajectory for the remainder of this season and for momentum going into next season. And that influences not only the current players, because we got this weird situation where no Mm -hmm. one's eligibility is expiring uh, as a result of this season, but it also has to do with the young players and their excitement to be a part of something that's growing in a positive direction. But instead, we have another loss, another crushing defeat based on a couple of... uh, really significant mistakes that were made uh during the course of the game that if we could could have uh that were self-inflicted if we just clean those mistakes up then we win the football game right uh it's not something that iowa did to force us to do that we did it ourselves right and so um those are the kinds of things where you only have so many windows to do that and and, in the case of scott frost he's now in his third year as our coach and and those uh windows get smaller and smaller as a coach gets further and further in his tenure as the head coach of a football team. He can't promise a vision of the future. There's now enough evidence of the current from him that, you know, that's a problem, right? So that was a hugely important game for us to win, and we didn't. So now our focus needs to shift on what's next,
0: right? Yep. yep. Always on to what's next. Um, And one other point I wanted to make on the stakes side is that... um, Jurgens unfortunately showed his bad snapping again, oh, yes. uh, with the two in particular I can remember where it just went completely out of the quarterback's hands and we lost you know ten yards and completely stunted those drives. Um, and he got taken out and then got brought in. And in the second half, he did much better. Um, I didn't really notice many uh, weird right. snaps there. There's some controversy about Iowa apparently clapping on the sidelines to try to mess up his
1: timing or whatever. Yeah. Um, But But. that would only change the fact that he would snap uh, it at the wrong time, and Adrian might get a a ball snapped to him unexpectedly, right? Right. And on the one snap that went past Adrian, okay, that was a really bad snap, it was also uh, early, meaning it was one of the occasions that you're talking about where for whatever reason, whether it was Iowa people clapping on the sidelines or Iowa players on the defense clapping – it doesn't matter to me. I wish that that would not have been brought up. I think that's that's a, a, a pussy uh, b- play uh, call or complaint. You got to figure out a way to um, uh, overcome that. Change your change your snap communication method if it's that big a deal. Because we've had this problem before. Michigan State in in a previous season uh, was uh, clapping um, as part of their uh, by, on their on their defense, and they actually got called for it once, right? They got a personal foul penalty, one of their linebackers did, for doing it, okay, during a game. So the, the idea of disrupting Nebraska's offense with these uh, errant clapping noises has been a thing for a while, okay? So if you're Nebraska, figure out another way. Stop clapping, right? <laughs> Do another, figure right. out another way. Either you're, this year, you're, you're hiking with no crowd, no, no, noise, right? Just say "hut," say "hike," whatever the old-fashioned way. That's a, that's the point I was going to bring up. Yes, was it? This year, yeah. there's
2: no need for it. Yeah. There's absolutely no yeah. need because there's nobody in in, in the, the stands. stands,
1: right? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like so. so well, why would you be doing that, right? Uh, <laughs> right. If, if it's an issue, you know, if you really think it's an issue, then then let's correct the issue, right? So. Right.
0: Yep, yep. Well, yep. One of the many things to add to the list on things we're trying to correct moving forward here. Um, And I know that one of the things that you have harped on, Dad, in our off-podcast conversations is the importance of leadership on the team, not only in terms of, you know, uh, having that camaraderie with the guys, you know, and having that command of the locker room, but then also being able to command the younger players' respect by proving it on the field and proving your skills. And while we may have some guys that have some of those leadership qualities that you want to have, because we keep losing on the field, uh, those younger guys aren't respecting those players in that way, and that's causing some kind of friction between the old and the new guard, as it were. Right.
1: Well, there's always a transition that any young athlete who's coming into – um, a college from high school has to go through. Because it's a whole nother level of difficulty, of, of precision, of demand, of pressure that you never experienced at, at the high school level. No matter where you played high school football, it's a big jump to go to major college. And my point is is that you need to have leaders on your team. And I think Scott has worked hard, and he's spoken very, uh, very uh, frequently on the subject of culture and trying to build that mentality. And he felt like that we had made great progress in that area. And and I suspect we have off the field. But the issue is at the end of the day, you also need leaders to be the guys who are your best football players, those guys, whoever they are, who are your real talented football players, the guys that have the best chance of playing on Sunday, those guys also have to rise and be to a degree, uh, echoing the message of the leaders if they're not the leader themselves, okay? And we are, we don't have that right now. And what that tends to create is an environment where the young kids who are coming into the program uh, immediately start thinking about self rather than team. Because they're not brought in and taught, you have to wait your turn. They're not brought in and taught, this is the way <laughs> to, 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 you know <laughs> What's what I mean? The Mandalorian? Yeah, to yeah. reference the Mandalorian. You, Come in, and 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 you have, especially in this day and age of social media, all your friends from back home, your parents, uh, everybody in your ear, telling you, "Well, you're better than what I'm seeing these guys on the field. You should be playing. This is BS. That you know Johnny's not not starting or seeing the field. So you you know Scott Frost just m- must not know how to utilize his talent. And what ends up happening is before those kids even get Established in the community, established within the culture of Nebraska football, they bail. And we're witnessing that in terms of the number of departures that we're seeing from the football team, the number of kids who are true freshmen, okay, and especially with COVID and the complexity of that whole, what that adds to uh, the environment in, in uh, at school and, and for a football season have all worked against us to ha- cause us to lose a lot of players. We're not the only team. This is happening to a lot of teams where guys are leaving, okay? But I think it's happening to us a little more because we don't have that established winning culture. And so it's easier to bail on a losing situation, right? It's always easier to bail on that. And I think we're seeing some of that. So it's very, very urgent for Scott Frost to have some success. And that's where I think now these these last two games, both very losable games, but also both very winnable games, okay? And it's imperative that we win these next two games. I don't care how we do it, but we've got to have two more Ws, okay? Because then we could at least take a two-game winning streak into whatever's next, whether they have those ninth games with the crossover thing or there's any potential for a bowl game where you know Nebraska might get invited. I don't care. Bottom line is we need to win these next two games so we at least have a, a two-game winning streak.
0: Right. AJ, on the broader question, because I think this is – and this is a hard question I'm going to ask you here, but – In the modern age of football and with the kids being the way they are and with social media and all that stuff, you know, that coaches can't be as hard-ass as they used to be. And you're in the situation that Scott Frost is currently in where he's been struggling to, you know, win games, you know, getting four win seasons or whatever. Um, So when you're struggling to get that success on the field that will propel you to, you know, make those kids believe, what's the best method, you think for him to try to keep the team together, as it were.
2: Oh God, Alex, that's way, way over <laughs> way over my pay grade. I'm <laughs> telling you, I I would have no idea how we'd keep 150 guys together, floating in the right direction together. I, I just that's that's a, you've gotta have leadership as Pete talked about and and coaches talked about again. He's talked about that from day one. Yes. But really Overall, since he's been here, I haven't seen any real leaders uh, Maybe other than the middle linebacker last year. He he was a pretty good leader. He wasn't all that great of a player, but he was a damn good leader. Uh, Barry, they, yeah, Barry. He was and he was Obama a you Barry. know he was a top notch guy, an individual, but he was a good leader and everything. He he just wasn't a great inside linebacker for us. But uh, I I really. At this point, wow, that's got to be pretty difficult to keep everybody floating or, you know, or in the same direction. I, it's going to be very, very difficult for him. And to go on with what Pete was talking about, that makes it tougher to keep those young guys, and it gets tougher. Every year it gets tougher to recruit more young guys. You sure? It's I think he's going to really, really uh, depend on Juco uh, in the future in order to, to uh, fill in some of these gaps of these young kids leaving.
1: Well, and, and transfers. I think yeah. now he's oh, gonna man. have to become a leader in uh, in figuring out how to take transfers. advantage of yeah. this this free agency uh, era that we now find ourselves that, in. That oh, might be a, the, the that's biggest thing. to be Pete, the thing. Like,
2: well, you saw that so far, I mean that that fella that that came over from from Rutgers. I want to believe. Yes, is, is, uh, yeah, tie, he's, he's a contributor, and he looks like he could be somebody for us too. Right, right. And I know that there's a couple others that have transferred here throughout this year. I think I'm right. not 100 percent sure. Martin, but I the, think the, that's the a wide big, receiver. Yeah, I think that could be a big thing with this free agency. Let's we're going to have to do that instead of relying mm-hmm. on those freshmen coming in, and then they right. look at it and they say, "Oh, you're not." They're not getting enough time, and they're not getting looked at. Just like the kid that just left. I mean, that's just insane for a freshman to say that he's, you know, not
1: getting enough. Not getting enough
0: playing time. (laughs) As a true freshman, yeah. Uh, It's like on that point, you just made me think because we've talked in on past podcasts about how important it is to have a quarterback that can execute your system, and how we haven't had that for a decade plus at this point. Um, But we've seen other teams, you know, in high-profile situations get a transfer quarterback in who only has one year of eligibility left, but in that one year they come in and do great stuff, you know, so to the point of what you were talking about before, of needing to cultivate that success, you know, and show the young guys like, hey, this team can execute and we can win games. What about if we went after trying to get you know a one even if it's just for a one year or two years just getting a, a more experienced quarterback to transfer in right. to get us jump started essentially you, you know
2: or, or just uh, when the opportunity is presented in front of you season. and you don't take advantage of it and that guy goes on to win the Heisman Trophy that still <laughs> drives me freaking crazy. I mean, when the opportunities are there to grab somebody that is a very good football player, you grab them.
0: Right, and, LCU's QB. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yep. So, well, the, the thing with that, uh, I would say almost every other position, you 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 do that. You go and you you make your room better, right? Right. With quarterbacks, because they are the golden boys, and because they're they're recruited differently right? And oftentimes teams recruit only one quarterback a year. It's, it's very rare. You know, when, back in the day, uh, again, we had more scholarships, okay? Mm-hmm. Right. 95, even 105 scholarships. Tom Osborne might recruit three quarterbacks in a season, okay? But over time, quarterback recruiting has evolved to where the top quarterbacks do not want to go somewhere unless they're pretty much guaranteed or promised that they're going to be the only player, uh, only quarterback recruited in that in, class. In that class, Okay. Yes. They acknowledge, okay, I'm going to have to compete against some other guys, but it's going to be one guy per class. And at the very least, there's going to be time, gap in, in, in eligibility between me and the guy next to me, right? And then whoever loses that battle ends up transferring, right? Right. I mean, that's what happens. So the problem with bringing in that one-year wonder or a two-year wonder that's a transfer at the quarterback position is – you, you might very well, and, and this has been proven over and over, not necessarily at Nebraska, but across college football, is you can spoil your, your quarterback room.
0: But All, I, all I, of a sudden, know, a bunch
1: of guys I, transfer out. And, and so you have to do this only when you have already, in your opinion, had enough time to evaluate your guys and know that they're not going to get there. right? Like, for example, and I'm going to use our, our quarterback room as an example. If we're now ready to say, even though Adrian is now going to remain a junior, right? And Martinez is going to be, I mean, um, uh, Luke McCaffrey McCaffrey is going to uh, remain a a sophomore. um, uh, Or maybe he's even a redshirt freshman. I don't even remember what Luke is. But bottom line is, if we're going to determine that, okay, Luke's not really ever going to become the quarterback we need him to be. We want him to take his athleticism and make him a wide receiver. Okay, maybe you have that conversation with him. And then that opens the door for you to go out and say, okay, Adrian, you're, you're my junior, you're my guy, but you know what? You have not performed at the level that I need. I'm gonna go out and see if I can make our room better. And, and you do it with the risk that Adrian will bug, bug out. And now, you know, the guy that you've invested three years of teaching and training your system and everything, he's walking out the door because you, you stepped over the top of him, right? right. Uh, and so that's the challenge. Now, you do that uh, for a linebacker position, eh, whatever, because we're, we're recruiting a bunch of those guys, right? But at quarterback, it's very different, and that's the challenge. So I'm not saying he shouldn't do it. In fact, I would say right now, I think you can objectively say Adrian's probably never going to get to where Scott had envisioned he was going to get when he, when he was recruited as a freshman, and I'm pretty sure he can also say that about Luke, although he's not saying it publicly. So unless this Smothers kid, who is our true freshman, Is really has really got the skills to throw the football and run the football effectively to to execute Scott's system, then getting an additional quarterback is a great idea and one that he should feel comfortable doing, knowing that he could have those two guys leave. That Luke and Adrian might both transfer out. Mm -hmm. Uh, McCaffrey is a redshirt freshman, he is. Thank you. Okay, all
2: right,
0: he is here with the stats here for us. (laughs) Uh, so looking ahead, wait a minute.
1: Aj, you follow my what I yeah, said? Yeah, I, I agree did. Or, it, or, or do you think screw that? This, yeah,
2: I'm I'm 180 degrees from okay. you. Okay, <laughs> I think you need. I think they it. need to to clean house and just say, hey, you got to compete. You've been losing four wins a year for the right. last two years, and this year they'll be damn lucky to end up with two. I know. <laughs> you know that's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Right. You bring them in, you're going to compete. You don't want to compete. Don't come and here. And this is a three-year And go and, and rely on being able to get transfers. Right. Rely on getting a JUCO. Right. Because uh, you know it, it just doesn't make any sense that we have to coddle these young players. Right. Uh, we never used to. No. And I think mm-hmm. that. Uh, and uh, it, something else that sparked while you were talking about that. What about this quarterback coach now? Yes. We, he's, this is we're his third little, year. Three years in. Three years in. Yep. And, you know, the first year with Adrian, they really looked like they were going to do something. Right. And it really looked good. But why all of a sudden Adrian went to I don't know what last year. That was not good. And this year he's he's slightly, slightly better. better he's slightly. But he's still nowhere near how, how good he was. It. Why is it that, that he is not able to do what he was able to do before. Right.
1: What did they do with the offense? Did they do anything no. with the offense well, that it really, changed it for him? I, I think I, I think the offense is not as wide open as it was the first year because the defenses of the Big Ten have caught up with what Scott's doing. Exactly. I think that's part of it. But yeah. the other part is I think Adrian's accuracy has deteriorated rather than yeah. gotten better, and that is squarely on Verduzco. That's squarely on the offensive Uh, the quarterback coach. Alex and I uh,
2: spoke of this the other day that um, when a new offense or defense doesn't matter which one it is comes into play whether it's in the NFL or college football it's around and they're really great for about three or four years and then all the offensive or defensive coordinators depending on which one you're looking at they figure out what that new system is, and I think that that folks have figured out the system that Scott's got, and yep. I think that they're just they're making him look bad. Right. His, I mean, scoring twenty three points. I mean, that's this is an offense that should be scoring thirty five points a absolutely. game. Absolutely. In nowadays era. Yeah.
1: At in today's least, era when, at least. when
2: I mean it's all the rules are against the defense. He should be scoring thirty five points a game. Right. I can be okay with the defense giving up. Uh, 21 points a game or something close to that. I'm okay with that. In today's game, geez. Jeez, that's, that would be great. crazy. Yeah, that's okay. I, I, I although I I hate that. It's part of today's game. Right. But the offense has got to be able to score 35 points if you're going to be that wide open. Yep. And to be honest with you, they got they got some pretty
1: doggone good athletes on they that do. offensive side of the ball. They do. And that has been the focus of our recruiting. Uh, has been on the offensive side, we got a lot of the pieces for the puzzle. The problem is they continue to make mistakes. It's the turnovers. It's the, it's the three and outs that, yeah. because now we, all the team has to do is get us off schedule. Keep us from being able to get into rhythm, and we're completely a yeah. different
0: team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And to your point, uh, Adrian showed some improvements in this game compared to when we had last seen him. You know, in terms of his throwing accuracy, right. and, You know, he had a couple making. nice runs where yep. he scrambled and things like that. Yep. But then there were also times where we saw like he was taking way too, too long, long to yep. make throws, or would just miss somebody who was open out to the right or right. You know, whatever. Oh, I
1: mean, one play, he he was back there for like six seconds. Oh yeah. And your internal clock. Has got to tell you, you know, after about four, at, at, at the count of four seconds back there, you need to be, you need to be making a decision and going, whatever it is. You either need to be throwing the ball out of bounds and just live, live to play another day, or tucking in it and running it, or whatever. Because if you wait those extra two seconds like he did, guess what happens? Even though you're an athlete and you're quick, now you've let the other team's players converge on you to the point where, because they know you got to make that decision too. So they're already coming back towards you. And so what happens? You don't even get out of the pocket, and you get tackled for a loss. When if you had made that decision just a second and a half earlier, now you're out in open space, and you're making a 15-yard scramble, and you make a guy miss, and now it's 30 yards, right? And he's got the athleticism to do that shit, but he's not making that decision. So what is, what in the coaching and in his preparation for the games, what is going on that makes him think, it's the right decision for him to wait that extra second and see if he can see somebody come open, especially given how much difficulty our wide receivers are having getting open under any circumstances because we got a bunch of slow guys uh, at wide receiver right now. Our speed is not consistently on the field.
2: I, I take exception to that. We've got some pretty damn fast guys. Oh, we you do can't it. tell me that, that Antonio brown i think his name is not antonio uh, brown no. antonio no it's not antonio it's alante a- alante alante brown brown yep and betts yeah they've got oh, serious phenomenal. speed oh but, they've got but my point speed. is
1: they're not the starters yeah. they're they're getting a like alante had uh uh he ran one time for 18 yards uh his receiving uh um you know um what's his name bets won for 15 yards but we have levi falk as a starter you know, um and uh, and uh, Cade Warner is a starter. Well, but I mean, Cade Warner normally can catch the dog on yeah, ball except and for hit. the one that was right in his hands for yeah. a touchdown and he missed. Yeah. So the one time the, the <laughs> biggest catch that oh, Cade yeah. Warner had this entire season, yeah. and it and it was a beautiful throw, well, it, was. it went right through his hands. Yeah. Okay. Wait, well, I'm sorry. No, it wasn't a beautiful throw. It I know the hard. one you're talking about. It was a damn
2: wounded Bull. duck. Well, it was no. a wounded duck. You go back and look at that. <laughs> well, it was easier to
1: catch. Frankly. No, no,
2: he had to try to. He, he, those kind of guys can catch the ball with their hands. I know, and they're used to a spiral where right. they catch it with their hands. Yeah. he had to put his arms up because the thing's coming at him like a wounded duck.
1: Yeah, I, I know the exact play you're no. talking no. Yeah. about. I, it, he and was, it was in the not back end of the end
2: zone. He was wide, wide open. open. But, and he, he, he tried to catch it with his arms because that thing's coming in. like yep. It was crazy
1: how bad that was. I remember yep. that. Yep. We, Alex and I talked about but, that the other day. But that's the reason we have him out there. He's our sure-handed guy. Right. We're giving up the speed and the athleticism in exchange for the guy that doesn't make mental mistakes, that understands and is a good leader. You know, he's, a, he's one of our captains. And when yeah. we needed him to step up and make a play that a captain needs to make, he failed. Okay, that and and if I'm not getting that from him, then I need to put my athlete out there. So I'm in agreement with you that we have the athletes. They haven't been playing, but that's why we're seeing some of these athletes leave because they're looking at it and saying, I'm way better than that guy, and I'm not getting a chance. Well, this place is screwy. I'm gone because, you know, there's nothing else to keep them there because they can't be social. There's nothing about this year's college experience that's normal. So they're not going to parties they're not they're not having the typical college experience and you know i mean heck usually you know they'd be going down to the Haymarket area and and, and experiencing the fun elements of of being in lincoln nebraska that's all gone so now and there's no beach there's no water there's no sunshine and warm weather so in in the covet era there ain't much appeal to lincoln right and so right. it's quick for those guys to deteriorate and decide, this is not my place. And
0: I do think that the COVID stuff definitely is a factor in all that. Like you say, that's affecting all schools. It but, is. you know, Nebraska in particular, you know, there's right. not a lot to do outdoors, per se, you know, right. in a now, safe way or whatever. If you're a
2: fisherman and a hunter, and that's about it. Well, right. Most of the kids <laughs> from Miami and
0: California
2: are not, no, not that. fishermen
0: or hunters. That's correct. All right. Okay. So, looking ahead to next week, yes. we're playing against Purdue, who played this past weekend against Rutgers and lost 37-30. Interestingly, looking back at their schedule, um, their first two games were against Iowa and Illinois, and they beat both of them. Who those teams both beat us, um, but then they've lost their last three games in a row now, so they're on a bit of a you know downward streak here. Um, but they've all been close; they've all yes. been with a, a touchdown or less in terms of points, both their wins and their losses. Um, so I feel like they're a team that we have the talent to beat, and that I think we should beat. You know, if we execute what we need to do, um, but I also think they'll hang in there with us, like you know, and if we if we uh, drop a punt in the fourth quarter like we did against Iowa, they'll capitalize
1: on Absolutely that. Absolutely true. Yeah, they have some great wide receivers. Rondale Moore is an even better version of our Wandale Robinson. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and they're actually close friends and, and, and competitors, grew up competing against each other. And that is going to be an issue uh, because Rondale is going to be ready to explode in this game he is going to be on fire, okay? Their, white, their, their quarterback is also uh, a guy who's got some salty experience to him. You know, It's not his first rodeo. Plummer's been there a while. And, uh, and so I, I worry about what their offense is going to be able to do because I have great respect for Purdue's coach. He's a good coach. Um, it, we are playing them there, okay? But I, I will say this. I would agree with you that we are capable of winning and beating this team. Because I don't think their defense is as good as it's been. I think we should be able to, I mean, Rutgers put 37 points up against them. And frankly, we watched parts of that game, Alex. They were moving that ball very effectively against Purdue's defense. And Purdue's defense occasionally could rise up and make a, a stop or make a big play. But but they were getting beat at the line of scrimmage on most downs by Rutgers' offense. Right. So right. I, that gives me optimism.
0: Yep. Yep, All right. So looking ahead to that game We'll give our predictions now as we usually do Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, be optimistic here And say that Nebraska, like we say, finds a way It can be ugly, I don't care But they find a way to win that game And we can hopefully capitalize on that Against Minnesota and uh, end off our season strongly Um, So I'll go ahead and predict Let's say 31 Nebraska and 24 Purdue Let's go with
1: that Mm. as my score Wow, okay. Um, That's a good score. Um, um, I'm going to say that we are going to need to score more points. I'm going to also be optimistic, go with the assumption that we're going to take another step in a positive direction, that Martinez is going to be our starter, but that that we're going to see uh, McCaffrey McCaffrey play a few series and maybe even get back to having them both on the field at the same time like we saw for a few series in the uh, – Uh, uh, Ohio State game Um, But I'm going to say that uh, We're going to need to score 40 points Or thereabouts So I'm going to say 42 to 35 Nebraska Okay
2: What do you think, AJ? I'm going to say 38 to 27 Purdue All right you, you, we've
0: got the naysayer here. Yeah.
1: Well, he's probably, I like that score, too. I like that score Ooh. a lot, actually. Although, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, no, they, it uh, sense.
1: Look at, uh, I just
2: noticed that uh, they come out with the, the uh, what the? The line? The line, and
0: it's uh, Purdue by one, which is.
1: A pick'em,
2: basically. Yeah, yeah basically, right. yeah. Anything less than three is a pick'em. Well it's a so, two and
0: four team against the uh, one two and four. And four. Two, two and uh two and three. Two, two and three. three. That's right two versus three. one and four. One and four. Yeah.
2: But you I'm looking at the comparison. you know how they put up the comparison stats. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm, it's I'm not looking pretty. at that and there's an awful lot of black on the Purdue side. <laughs> on both the offensive <laughs> and defensive
1: side. That's true. There we okay. Go. Special uh, teams, a lot of the black is oh, on the Purdue side. And they do. They have great special teams. They've got great athletes for punt returners and stuff like that. Um, they have great speed. Um, they're just a good football team. But I think their defensive and offensive lines might be an area where we, if we can neutralize their offensive line, and I think that our defense will be able to stop their running game, their running back is a fullback. Right. Okay, So we tend to do better with guys who are uh, uh, bulky but not fast. What really has hurt us, i.e. the Illinois game, was the speed of their running backs, right? The speed was more of a detriment to us than the physical part because we seem to hold up well physically. So my question is, can we, can we shut down that and make them use Rondell in their running game and things of that nature because they can't get anything going? That's what, that's what Rutgers did. Rutgers shut down that fullback that they've got, that, that running back, right? They, they mm-hmm. pretty much really locked in on him and, and shut him down pretty good. All right. I think that was their key.
0: Yep, yep. So we'll look to emulate that. You know, I said while well, watching the game, hey, hopefully uh, Rutgers wins this so we can kind of see a bit of a game plan of how what we can do against Purdue right. coming up. Um, so it's 4 uh, four twelve now in terms of the time we're recording this podcast. Um, do you believe we have time to go into the more national side of things in the different games? So Let's do we it. Wrap it up here. I may have to leave here pretty Pretty soon, uh, another ten minutes or so. And, okay, you know, ten minutes. We can do that. We can do that. Yes. All right. So uh, the games that happened this past weekend, uh, the biggest one that which we talked about on the last podcast was Iowa State Texas, and uh, we ended up getting you know uh, Nebraska loss, which sucks, of course, but we got the treat of Texas losing twenty three to twenty <laughs> against <laughs> Iowa State on a there was a field goal near the end of the game that won it for Iowa State. Go uh, Cyclones!
1: Hey, yeah, so and, and that puts them in the driver's seat <laughs> yeah. to That's win right. the, the to win the Big Twelve regular season,
0: right? And they pretty they play against West Virginia this upcoming weekend. But I think even if they lose that, they're making it into the championship game. Correct. But the problem is they probably have to fight Oklahoma, who they beat earlier. But you know we know the talent of Oklahoma, of right. course. Right, so it's can hard they to beat anybody twice. who's a good team. Yeah. Right um but i sure would like to see that see iowa state who used to be one of the worst teams in the big 12 while we were in the conference right. uh, to be the best this year that would be kind of cool um we also watched the penn state michigan game uh right. two teams that both struggled this year and we both thought on the last podcast that michigan would pull out the w now that they had kind of figured out what they wanted to do on quarterback in that rutgers game um but he actually got hurt at one point in the game yep. and uh Penn State managed. It was kind of an ugly game, but they managed to claw it out. It was 27-17 Penn State.
1: No, no kind of ugly. It was an ugly game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Uh, and then we also had an interesting upset. Northwestern playing at Michigan State, oh, who yes. only had one win against Michigan. Uh, and they found a way to win against undefeated Northwestern at
1: 29-20. And all the people at the down the street at the Big Ten headquarters in Chicago We're screaming and throwing shit (laughs) because they really messed things up for the Big Ten.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Now they put a a dark mark on Northwestern's record, even though now with Wisconsin being uneligible from competing in the Big Ten Championship, I'm pretty sure Northwestern has their ticket there anyways. Um,
1: Northwestern, right. Northwestern is the bell cow of the West almost regardless, and now that bell cow just got shot and has only two legs left. But yeah. do you honestly think that they had a prayer of beating an Ohio State or no, anybody else? No, <laughs> but they had a prayer of beating Indiana, yeah. which is a very good chance that they end up playing Indiana rather than Ohio State because Ohio State only has to lose or miss one more week and they would be ineligible
0: uh, because their game against Illinois was canceled, canceled. this past right. weekend. Due so now to they've COVID. lost
1: two games or missed two games because of COVID. If they miss a third, they're out just like Wisconsin. Okay. And Wouldn't then, that be crazy? It would be. It would, it would be kind of, kind of sad. of COVID.
0: But it would, be, it would be kind of cool to see. Something different, at least, yeah. you know. Um, and then uh, in the Pac-12, we had a pretty big upset. Oregon playing against their rival, Oregon State, who they almost always beat. This time, Oregon State found a way. 41-38 with some of our old players from right. the Mike Riley era.
1: right. Yes, exactly.
0: It's so, uh, Tristan.
1: The, yes, Tristan. Jebby the quarterback. quarterback. Yep. Holy and they, cow. And he beat Oregon, and Oregon is loaded with talent. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. I would love to watch that game. Who's yeah. the head coach out there? At Oregon State? Yeah. Um, it's I don't know, but it, I, it's somebody from the Mike Riley tree, I think. Right. That's and, what it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, when, I think it's yeah, still the same yeah. yeah,
0: and Riley is there as a consultant, consultant to right. that coach. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, good for them. Seeing some success out there. Obviously, yep. the Pac-12's in an even weirder situation than the Big Ten. They got started oh. even and later. Ha- and have him. an
1: Oregon lose. I mean, the, again, that was going to be their bell cow. Uh, right. Oregon
0: was their team. The Pac-12 commissioner yeah. is slamming his head against the wall. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. right,
1: maybe Utah now. I don't know who the best in that.
0: And then uh, this upcoming weekend, um, the biggest game that's out to me, even though that Wisconsin is, like we said, out of contention for the Big Ten title, they're playing against Indiana, um, who is obviously doing very well on the other side of the conference, um, with, with Wisconsin having missed so many games... You know, it makes it a little more unclear to me, although Indiana's quarterback got hurt in their game this weekend. Yeah. Uh, if, if that how, Indiana how a,
2: did it look like a really serious injury? Or?
0: I didn't see it myself. I just saw the headline that he had gotten hurt. Um, if
1: he can't play, that's huge for Indiana. Yeah. That yeah, yeah, yeah. dramatically changed it. Yeah. And it goes back to, you know, all of our struggles. You know, we spent a lot of this podcast, Alex, for Nebraska, talking about the quarterback. Mm-hmm. If we had a quarterback who was executing at a reasonable level for Scott Frost's system, we would be looking at a, at a, at a recent history of way more victories. You look at how many games we lost that were within a, within a touchdown. And if we had a quarterback who wasn't self-destructing and, and just making horrible decisions with great regularity, um, then we would be winning a lot more football games. And that's the bottom line. You look at the teams that are doing well, no matter the league, that's they got a good quarterback.
2: Yep.
0: And then in the SEC, we have two interesting games: Texas A&M versus Auburn, and then uh, Alabama versus LSU. Which normally would be a you know tight Huge matchup, game. yeah. But of course, LSU has really struggled this year, so I have no doubt that Alabama is going to uh, take care of them pretty easy, like they did against Auburn this weekend in the Iron Bowl. Right. Um, but, you know, that's it in terms of the games. Not, not as many big ones this weekend. But we may see some upsets like we have the past two right. weeks. Um, thinking about that Wisconsin-Indiana game, um, let's presume that Indiana's QB is hurt and won't play. What do you think on the score for that game?
1: Oh, man, if, if that Indiana uh, quarterback isn't there, I think Wisconsin wins that game uh, pretty comfortably. I'm going to say by 14 points. So let's go...
0: 35-21. Um, 35-21. All right. And I'm going to uh, agree with you there. Um, I think if that guy is out, then that is obviously a big deal. Um, I'll go a little bit higher scoring, actually. Let's say 38-24. Uh, to um, 24. Let's go with that. Okay. What do you think, AJ? Uh,
2: I'll go with – it depends. That when Wisconsin was down this last two weeks – were they completely shut down? I mean, like they, they talked
1: like they weren't even practicing. Well, that that was the previously. This time, they they didn't play this week because right. of Minnesota, not because of them. Okay, So, so they were so, practicing. So they were practicing. So, so Wisconsin was able right. to practice. But they're okay. coming
0: off of a loss against right. Northwestern, was it? Yes. Right. Wisconsin. What, what did
2: you pick? 28-21? 38-24. 28-21.
0: 28, 21. And
2: Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Yeah. All right. If they're practicing, shoot, I I think that, you know, and that kid is out. That's, that was the qualifier. Yep. Right. If that quarterback for Indiana is out. He's
0: he's absolutely a difference maker. If he's in, then yeah, it's a much closer game, I think. All right. Well, thank you all for uh, joining me this episode. Thank you, AJ, for being our special guest. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And, um, We'll have to see what we're talking about next week. Hopefully a Nebraska victory and on the upswing for the end of the season. That's what we're hoping for. That's what we need. So if you all out there enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can reach out to us at huskerpete 13 at gmail.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes if you search for College Football Throwdown. Please leave us a review or a rating. Let us know what you think of the podcast. We always like hearing from the fans, and we'll read any feedback out on the air. So thank you all for listening, and until next time, Go Big Red! Go Go Big Red. Red!